Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the major motion podcast where we talk about the biggest and the best films coming to theaters and streaming online. From the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm John Negroni, film editor for theyoungfolks.com. And from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, he's a news and entertainment writer at Collider. And uh, I like to think that he's 5,000 years old, at least when it comes to his movie takes. It's Will Ashton. Okay, I don't know if that's a compliment or if that's a criticism or a... I could have called you a boomer and left it at that. Sure. All right. Fair but enough. I didn't. But I did not. Sure. Um, this week we're talking about Black Adam and uh, the absolute state of superhero movies. I'm so excited. But you know, well, you know what? You know what people like about superhero movies? Uh, what is it at this point? People like you know the battles, right? They like the the stakes, the you know the conflict, I right? Guess. It's like one insurmountable force versus another, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So. I guess so. I think then, you know, what is a good representative, you know, of that? Like, what what is a good, you know, how, how do we get into something like that in our world? And I thought, oh, of course, of course, of course, of course. Um, it's like Pizza Hut versus Domino's and evaluating which one is more popular. <laughs> I don't know what it is about these episodes where we have limited time. You keep... <laughs> Bringing up the pizza wars, diluting the conversation, and, uh, you know, just trying to spark some animosity. I don't get it. I mean, I think that it's very relevant to, you know, okay, where, where we're at as a country, as a society. Uh, midterms sure. are coming up. I think, you know, the pizza wars are on the ballot. Republicans versus Democrats, Marvel versus DC. <laughs> Coke pizza, versus Pepsi. Yeah, yeah, Coke versus Pepsi. Domino's versus Pizza Hut. It's all, uh, you know, common knowledge at this point. So we, we want you all to leave a voicemail. What is what is your favorite? Oh, boy. And uh, <laughs> go to the show notes. You can leave us a voicemail on the Swell app. Uh, you don't have to, you don't have to call us like, you know, we're Gen X or something. But uh, let us know why. Why do you think Domino's is better than Pizza Hut? If you have the opposite opinion, you can just send an email to uh you should not have this opinion podcast mm. at gmail.com yeah or you i guess you could send it to our email cinemahawkspodcast at gmail.com or you could leave a voicemail i guess i should be somewhat inclusive but will i did i do want to just just one question just one question sure. before you know we have it out before mm-hmm. we sauce out here sure sauce it out yeah which chain do you think is bigger bigger between the two you mean like has 2022 more stores nationwide or like has sold more pizzas uh more stores nationwide um i'm probably gonna say pizza hut you're correct yeah it is larger it's it, larger it's in 26 mm-hmm. um out of 56 states and territories it's the largest yeah because i remember but, domino's used to not really be around here it like was only a recent development that they kind of expanded well, of course they didn't they were scared they they knew that they were coming into the wolf's den and y'all yeah. weren't gonna just kind of come yeah, after they, them yeah they had to prepare themselves accordingly yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we don't have a ton of dominoes out here uh, in California, but, you know, they, they're little gems in the oasis, you know. Um, I guess they are the oasis in this analogy I just painted. Um, but yeah, there's 6,605 Pizza Hut locations versus 6,571 for dominoes. It's close, well, you know, it's a thin crust between these two. So you're um, saying not that... Not in terms of taste, though. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like Pizza Hut's sort of waning out and Domino's is sort of uh, evolving or expanding at this point. I don't know if that's the case. Um, I have a few YouTube videos like saved oh, for my research oh, um, so we can keep this, you know, so we could settle this. You know, I, I just want to put this issue to bed and, you know, I don't think, I don't think it's going to be that easy, is it? I don't um, think it's going to be that easy, no. But I'm excited to see how far it's going to go. Like our tar review, you're going to be like, you know, some people were canceled for their actions, and some people were canceled for their opinions on pizza or whatever, whatever you have planned <laughs> yeah, for next week. You or, get it, yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of which, before we do get into Black Adam, did want to kind of address some of the indie movies in the room. Okay, um, there have been a bunch coming out sure. that we haven't covered yet mm-hmm. uh, because we were, you know. Either I haven't seen it or you haven't seen it. And I, I've seen Banshees of Benishirin. I want to talk about it ASAP. You're kind of waiting for it to come to your area. Same thing for Tar, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, there were um, two screenings for Tar near me. I unfortunately I couldn't do either screening. And I'm mm-hmm. uh, really disappointed because I wanted to see that movie a lot. I'm really excited. I want to talk to you about that movie pretty badly. Um, and then in, on top of that, I've been trying to get um, 
find a way to watch After Sun and decision to leave because uh, those have been on my list for quite a while. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've I've had a very busy time. Um, hope hopefully hopefully going to catch those mm-hmm. pretty soon. I don't know if we're going to be able to fit them in on the schedule for the show. But as always, if you have any priorities for us, want to hear us talk about something, even if it's in mini reviews and off topic or something like that, just let us know. Uh, hit us up on the socials or emails and. We will do our best to abide your wishes. Okay. But in the meantime, I know, Will, you've been doing your 30 days of horror. You've been watching 31. lots of fun horror movies. 31 days, days excuse me. Yeah. And uh, I, hopefully hopefully, when we, because this is our last you know, recording before the end of the month, uh, hopefully next month you could uh, give us a little chat on how this month went, if there's anything to pick out. But you just still got, you got a week left. Uh, I think week. we have one more in October, right? There's the 30th and 31st, unless we record next week's episode late. Which is right. not impossible. I mean, yeah, that's kind of where I'm leaning, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Keep your yeah. ears out for that, though. Yeah. Sorry about Black Adam. Did okay, you say so Whack Black Adam? Did you say Whack, Whack Adam? Adam? Yeah. Uh, the Mighty Adam, as he is known in some comic book iterations. Well, do you know anything about Black Adam? Like, the character or anything like well, that? Well, he is sort of like the primary antagonist for what was once known as Captain Marvel, now known as Shazam, right? I don't know if he was the primary antagonist. Or one of the he big. is one of the arch. He is one of the arch nemesis. Yeah. Um, I I don't know the comics well enough to say for right. sure if the character is like that. The character's been around for a long, long, long time, mm. decades and decades and decades. And, and yeah. he was reinvented, you know, mm. for kind of like the modern Jeff Johns, you know, era. They kind of they kind of took him and were like, oh, you know, we should make him into this more of like. A, more of like a, an anti-hero kind of character who can kind of work with the good guys and everything, work yeah. with the Justice Society, which is part of the comic uh, lore. But obviously, he's a bit more, he's edgier, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to, um, yeah. yeah. No, I was going to ask, if, uh, how long have they been sort of like reinventing Black Adam, as you were saying? Like, when did that kind of start with Jeff Johns? My... If I recall, I know that they kind of did some stuff with him in the 90s. Okay. Uh, very different from kind of where he was at in the 70s and 80s. And then the 2000s, I think, not with New 52, but I think it was in that time period. It might have been New 52, and I'm just blanking. But mm-hmm. I think I think with him and, like, in DC Rebirth, they that's, like, really more like 2000s. Like okay. All getting into the 20-teens as well. That's my, that's my educated guess. Because I was wondering if the character was kind of being shaped around The Rock, considering that, I don't know if you even remember this, The Rock has been attached. Not, not really, because, I mean, mm-hmm. they, they kind of always, he has, like, the pointy ears and stuff. I get what you're saying of, like, you know, maybe they they matched, well, like, the comics to him in recent years. I just want to say, because I like, know The Rock is happening. Well, I was going to say that, do you know how long he's been attached to play either Black Adam or Shazam? Wasn't it, like, or like, uh, man, back in, um like, the early 2000s back when he was doing like scorpion king stuff uh, a little bit later i think he was first attached in like 2006 2007 okay so yeah like mid 2000s that, yeah. that tracks but i think they first started yeah. getting the ball rolling on this in the early 2000s around the time of the scorpion king as you mentioned but like even if you just look at 2006 2007 that is about at this point like half my life <laughs> he has been <laughs> attached in some way or another to this project i feel like that's just sort of insane in and of itself. Like the fact that the rock at this point has been fighting to make this movie for like 15 years now. Right. Like pretty much like yeah. uh half, you know, like almost two decades. And in that time, I mean, the guy has really, he he's completely changed in terms of his status and profile. I mean, 2006 Dwayne Johnson, you know, that is the aftermath of Scorpion King, right? And walking tall and movies like that. Yeah. Where he's still kind of, you know, transitioning at, from his WWE career yes. into being an actor, you know, being an action mm-hmm. movie, kind of the next John Claude Van Damme. And then, you know, we get well, we got all kinds of weird movies with him, right? Like with uh Escape to Witch Mountain true. and uh the Tooth Fairy and stuff, which were the like game let's plan. Make fun of the fact that yeah, game plan, it's like two thousand nine or something. It, they're kind of like playing up the fact that he's like this big brute guy, but like he's got a babysit a kid, you know. Um, and then that kind of completely vanished co- seemingly overnight once he started doing the Fast and Furious movies, right? Like once you get to Fast Five. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, the weird thing about The Rock is that would you say he's more comparable to John Clef Van Damme or Arnold Schwarzenegger at this point? I think he's an interesting merging. Well, that's the thing. I think when he was doing stuff like Walking Tall, like 
it was a little bit more John Claude Van Damme. And then they started doing the Schwarzenegger thing with him right. when they were doing like the family movies. Well, somewhat. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he has a sort of like larger in life persona, which feels very close to like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the sense that like having this sort of over the top persona, but also having like a goofiness, like a sort of like lack of self-seriousness about it. But the weird thing about The Rock is I feel like he's gotten more and more like self-serious or like he, he has allowed himself to have less opportunities to be kind of that goofy screen persona uh, in a way that, you know, this movie is very indicative of that. Like, it seems like he's a lot more uh, trying to be kind of like stoic in this movie in a weird way. Like it, it doesn't feel like for as much as he's been trying to like champion getting this movie made, it doesn't seem like he's having fun making it, which is, you know, well, there you, should be his passion do, project. He would do kind of self-serious movies like interstate, intertwined with his sort of like big like 20 teens like uh faster like i I was thinking hercules you know oh yeah i forgot about hercules stuff like that i think is just a little bit more of like okay you know you can have a little bit of fun but not too much fun (laughs) you know um but yeah i mean the the vast majority of stuff the guy is in i mean we're you know we've we've talked about a lot of dwayne johnson movies on this show since 2017 talked about the jumanji movies we've talked about rampage uh, we've talked about jungle cruise same director um as this film black adam but i think i think what's interesting to me is like he's always avoided the superhero play you know superhero movies the biggest movies the biggest game in town um at least right you know depending on what part of the year you're looking at at this point but He's he's kind of had this movie sort of just like lingering in the ether we've been i feel like i've been hearing about a a black adam movie since like 2008 2009 and i've just always assumed that it's not going to happen that they're just not going to put it together but i think they just kind of through force of will and by will i mean Dwayne. like they just kind of they put this thing out i think he just had his heart set on being this kind of anti-hero character and it and i wonder if part of it too is because he's already played superheroes he's just played like you know, non-literal superheroes in all of his movies because he has that sort of like charisma or he could just like slot right into like a high concept quippy Marvel movie or something, right? I mean, the Fast and Furious movies are, you know, maybe one step removed from being superhero movies already. They already have basically superpowers in those films. So, you know, why not? Yeah, his, his superpower is pissing off Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel is his driving. And, you know, I, I, I think that it, it, it's just funny because it, why Black Adam? Why this character? And I, I kind of like the audaciousness of it. It's like, you know what? I'm going to do this really underutilized, under, you know, not well known to the mainstream kind of superhero and kind of let my persona fill that character. And I'm actually a little impressed. Let's talk about the movie itself. I mean, he he is trying to channel the actual character he's not trying to just be himself in the movie which he does a lot um, because he knows what sells like he knows that people see him on the poster and they want a certain angle of the rock they want dwayne johnson being moana or maui right they want it to be fun and larger than life and cracking jokes and really but you know like when it comes down to it he's going to get the job done like that's what they like about the rock in this movie, he he is he's a straight up antihero. Uh, the, the story centers around uh, this guy who is you know five thousand years ago, uh, long long before we were doing this show, um, quite a while before. Uh, I think we're we're in a place called Kondok, which is like I think supposed to be like Egypt, uh, but like the DC equivalent of Egypt. So Marvel has like the real locations, but DC has kind of a mix like mostly fictional cities that are kind of like parallel right it's like gotham is kind of like detroit chicago new york city metropolis is like the other part of new york city you know stuff like that and the conduct i guess is supposed to be kind of like cairo i guess i don't know i don't know it super well but the the plot here is that this you know if you remember shazam which i remember shazam i like shazam a good bit which was kind of the permission movie that kind of allowed for, I think, Black Adam to finally start uh, pre-production in earnest and get going. Because Shazam is like, what, 2019? That movie was successful. And Black Adam kind of, it, it borrows from the same thing, right? It's the same uh, way to get superpowers. This guy, it's a, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Apocalypse from 
X-Men, you know, that kind of thing where it's like, oh, it's like this ancient mutant, you know, fighting the current day, you know. Uh, but in this case, uh, The Rock is this Egyptian person or Kondok person, whatever you want to say, who is basically like summoned to that same area where the kid in Shazam gets his superpowers. So when he says Shazam, he turns into like the champion. It's it's funny because like the movie has like a lot of intro prologue stuff, like a ton of voiceover, a ton. It's like really, really like rapidly explained. Yeah. But it, I, I will say like off the bat, I was so lost. I was like, I don't, <laughs> what? What, what, what is the city? Why do I care about the city? Who's talking right now? Like, I think and then now we're, yeah. What's going on? What? They're slaves? I, to who? I wasn't really that concentrated in figuring out the plot. I just kind of wanted the movie to happen. Personally, I was kind of just like, all right, let's just see where this goes. Let's just see what happens. I, I agree with you that like, I was kind of thinking that too, where I was just like, for a much as much as movie is spending the first, like I want to say, 30 minutes just explaining things, like even the dialogue is just characters saying exposition for the first like five scenes of this mo- movie. It just felt like, yeah, I'm still not really getting a clear idea of like what's happening. And it did feel very much like the studio forcing itself to be like, you have to explain this. People aren't going to understand what's going on. And, you know, I mean, I, I did get the sense that that opening scene was probably supposed to be later in the film and that, you know, it was kind of supposed to have maybe more of like a cold opening with like the kid and the mom early on. But they were like, no, we kind of have to do this stuff earlier so that people understand what's happening, what the stakes are and all this stuff. And which is like the opposite of Shazam, right? Which Shazam actually has a pretty decent cold opening with the Mark Strong, you know, when he's a kid character and it's kind of a memorable cold opening because it's kind of grisly. And they don't explain anything there. They just sort of like dump you into this world of like, yeah, magic exists. Here you go. And like, you know, here's his motivation for being the villain of the story. And then we're going to go from there. Um, Here, it's it's a little bit more opaque, uh, but, you know, sure. Uh, The idea is that he was this almighty, powerful Shazam-like champion, but obviously more bent on like revenge like whereas like shazam is fun he's a kid being a superhero you know like i'm gonna buy beer uh this guy black adam is a little bit more of like i'm going to massacre you know my oppressors and so that's another thing this movie kind of like brings in to its you know its stew something that we don't normally see in dwayne johnson movies i suppose but we do see it in dc stuff from time to time is the movie's trying to you know have like a little bit of like a, a theme you know, it's trying to talk a little bit about well, like, imperialism and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, if if Shazam is trying to copy the homework of Big, this movie is trying to copy the homework of Terminator Two. I think that would be fair to say, right? <laughs> oh, you think? I didn't even think of Terminator. Uh, well, the second like, one. at least with Terminator, we actually follow. Yeah, Terminator Two. We follow the kid, you know, John Connor, right? A bit, and we get to know him, and we mm-hmm. get to care about him. Right. In this movie, this kid just like skateboards into the movie. Like literally, right. I was he could have been skateboarding down the aisle he, and like just kick flipping right. into the screen for all he, I cared. He poochied his way into the movie. Um Sure. Yeah, I know you but, don't watch uh, the Simpsons, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's a reference to something. Um yeah, he just kind of shows up and uh, yeah, he I didn't even know that was his mom because I just couldn't I was like, What what why are you well what's wrong? They make a what? point to say, you know, that she is his mother. Like they like that's what the whole car scene's about. Like him awkwardly like on the car, just like, I'm your mother. You need to go home, study, do your schoolwork, drink I, your I milk. Know, but there was something about her where I was just like, Is she a sister? Like what does she have to right. just take care of him? Because it just seemed a little yeah. bit like she's a very irresponsible mother. Sure, um, yeah. Oh, I mean, especially <laughs> yeah, there's a scene in this movie where it's just like, I mean, I I would have not made the choice that she made in some of the scenes, but you know, she do her thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. She she literally puts her son in constant danger. Just yeah, and it, it, right. it's very odd to me, at least. But yeah, and to anyway, be clear, uh, when I say it's copying Terminator 2's homework, I'm not saying it's copying it well. Uh, to be I sure, know. I'm well aware. This movie, um, I just want to make sure the listeners understand. Yeah, yeah, you know, I know, but I'm just saying that. Like, I think as far as the kid stuff is concerned, that's what they're trying to replicate or emulate here. No, yeah, the kid is the surrogate. You know, they're trying to set up this thing because eventually Black Adam comes into the movie, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have the pointy ears. What are you going to, what do you expect? Of course, Dwayne Johnson was going to go for that, but okay. Uh, He gets resurrected. You know, there's this whole kind of like, it reminded me a lot of Mummy 2017, the like opening, you know, we're going to go to the tomb and then all the stuff's, we're going to resurrect this thing and it's going to wreak havoc. 
our introduction of Black Adam is that, yeah, I mean, he's the rock. He's he's this powerful, like, demigod uh, who can just basically, he just mercilessly murders tons of people. So that's how you know he's the anti-hero. Uh, it's not because he has challenging worldviews or, you know, any sort of, like, morally gray. I mean, he does. There's one moral gray thing is that, like, he's willing to kill the bad guys. And I'm like, okay. That's your. That's what you want to be about. All right, let's see where you Which, go with that. I think that would have been more compelling, or at least a little bit more original, if we hadn't gotten Batman v Superman, where Batman is killing people as well as Superman. So it's just right. like, I mean, it's not that novel. I feel at this point for DC characters to kill people. Wonder Woman's killed. I think they've all killed at this point. <laughs> yeah, they sure they sure have. You know, and it, you know it happens in the comics too to an extent. But you know, it's one of those things. It's like. You either suspend your disbelief or you don't, and it, the movie kind of helps you one way or the other with that, uh, or the story, I should say. But uh, this movie does have something kind of similar with BVS, where the 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 antagonizing forces who are kind of battling each other they they don't seem to be that different in terms of like where like uh, the motivation for them to fight. I think is extremely weak. It was making me think of um, Captain America: Civil War. Where I felt like that movie had a, just a better sort of like dividing line between all of these super powered people of like, here's why I'm against you. I don't actually want to hurt you, but like, right. you know, things might get out of a lot of control. And I I'm mean, speaking, of course, of the, mm-hmm. the Justice Society characters, which we'll talk about. Right. I mean, I think the biggest issue that's plagued these DC films is that they're trying really hard to copy Marvel's homework. They don't really do the legwork as much. They just kind of want the same results at the same time without really kind of building it up. And so, yeah, like something like the Justice Society, they have to spend time introducing that, but they also treat it like this is like the third and fourth movie we've had with the Justice Society. And also all the Justice Society stuff takes away from the stuff with the kid and the mom that's supposed to be kind of the the emotional core of this film with Black Adam. So it's like, yeah, it's just kind of a messy film. Yeah, there are only like two emotional cores. The, The movie's kind of pushing, and I think that's like Black Adam and the kid. Which is really, really weak. I mean, it's it's extremely to me not very believable. Um, they're they're trying to do the, clearly this like Clint Eastwood thing, this Dirty Harry thing that you know at one point like even the dirty, director is like, I'll show you the movie. Dirty Harry or Gran Torino? I would say Dirty Harry. Okay, it was what I. I mean, they literally show it. I mean, I mean, Gran Torino. What is that? But well, not, they show uh, <laughs> you know, good, uh, the bad, and the ugly. Don't they? They don't. They show do. Dirty, they do. But they it, I think that they're speaking to. Um, you know, because of course that one scene straight out of Good Bad, but I think they're speaking to like uh, him being like a dirty hairy character more so. Um, yeah, I but, mean, yeah, yeah, morally gray antihero, someone who can be kind of molded into being good. Like he's a sort of like like you said, a sort of baseline neutral killing machine. That that's why I think he's like Terminator Two. That's like he's like obviously a force of evil if used wrong, but like this kid kind of compels him to be this weird sort of father figure slash, you know, good force of, uh, you know, upstanding. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't, the thing is that like, they don't have a lot of conversations. A lot of their scenes are just like the kid following him around, bugging him and just being like, blah, blah, blah. Did you hear the exposition at the beginning of the movie? Here's more yeah. of it. And he's just like, no, these people I love, don't want. <laughs> yeah. I love that the kid, it seems like he has like an earpiece for the studio and it's just like, Get him a catchphrase. Get him a catchphrase. Like, Black Adam, you need a catchphrase. <laughs> Did you see my skateboard? <laughs> I appreciated, uh, you know, the, the the kid's room has all of these sort of like comic book appropriate, you know, renditions of all the characters. And we spend a lot of time where Black Adam is literally destroying, you know, mm. comic accurate representation. I thought that was kind of fun. This ain't your uh, son's superhero movie. <laughs> sure. Uh, but then we eventually get the Justice Society, which is made up of Hawkman, played by Aldous Hodge, and then uh, Pierce Brosnan plays Kent Nelson or Doctor Fate, and now that, that's the other emotional core that I was referencing earlier. Sure, uh, but we also we also have um, you know a couple other characters here. We have Noah Centineo, you know mm-hmm. Netflix Dreamboat. Sure, uh, jump into the Charlie's big screen. Angels, you know. Oh yeah, alum. he wasn't that. Yeah, I forgot I about he, that. Yeah, I forgot all about that. <laughs> he plays he plays a fun character named Adam Smasher, and uh, you know, and then we he's kind of like the Ant Man, and then we have uh, Quintessa Swindell. Well, you say he's the Ant Man, but he's kind of like the Ant Man and like the Spider Man of the film. 
Like he's like kind of bumbling and goofy and bit. like childlike, boyish. Ant Man is kind of bumbling too, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, uh, I I kind of in my letterbox review, I kind of I said that this this movie is basically the structure of Avengers 2012. It's the same structure in terms of like the three acts and how they kind of interplay with each other. Um, but the only real difference is that Thor and Loki are the same character. They're both kind of Black Adam, and he's just kind of, you know. And then instead of Captain America, we have Doctor Strange. That, to me, otherwise, like, Hawkman's your Iron Man, you know. Uh, Nick Fury is your Amanda Waller, who's kind of, like, getting them together. There's kind of, like, a Phil Coulson sort of moment in the yeah. movie. Viola uh, Davis literally phoning in her performance. <laughs> <this film. laughs> zooming in her performance. Right, zooming in her performance. Um, I think I think Noah Centineo too. He's like he literally looks like Mark Ruffalo's son, uh, <laughs> to be honest. And yeah, more of a like sciencey person. And we have our like red haired, you know, sort of like badass, uh, you know, Black Widow character. So yeah, it's it's it, it's hard not to watch this movie and just be like, yeah, you're you're kind of just aping what marvel has done and i i said something to you you know before we, we were talking about the movie and everything where i think i think with dc i i just i i think you, you touched on this but like what's cool about dc stuff they've done it before they've done a lot of it like with the animated tv shows it's not the action that i think really gets people it's people don't like batman and you know batman the animated series and young justice and justice league and like those shows that a lot of us grew up on it's not the action a lot of the times the action was ass i mean if you watched it it was like a lot of the animation and everything was like very blocky and no it's it's, it's all about in these movies the sort of the the ideas you know, the, these characters who are very, uh, they can be sort of dynamic, but they're very static too. Like, I mean, Batman doesn't change that much over the course of like Batman, the animated series. What's fun about that show is Batman, you know, his stoic character, his unchanging force of nature, constantly conflicting with all these huge, larger than life philosophical questions of like what good and evil and like the limits of him and like what he's willing to do. It's what separates DC from Marvel, I think, right? Because Marvel is more of like, we're, we're going to bring this stuff a little bit more down to earth. It's not going to be so philosophical. It's going to be a little bit more of like, what are, what are the normal everyday struggles of like of everyday people, you know, and how does that factor into like what a superhero is? And that's why I think that these two big superhero comic book worlds have done so well to like coexist because they really each offer something really unique and profound in their own ways. But DC, we get it so rare. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the DC stuff and like even the stuff that I'd like, I'm just, it, it's, it just feels like extra Marvel stuff. That's not Marvel instead of like its own thing. I think the closest we got to something that was really trying, like we, we got like the Christopher Nolan movies, which seemed to get that. Uh, we got, uh, I think to some extent Joker, but I think Joker was a little bit more of like a, you know, a, a middle school art class version of what, what I'm talking about, but I don't know. I've been rambling. No, I get what you're saying. I mean, I think, they have the potential and they have at certain points been able to capture that sort of weighted morality that you're referring to. That Snyder of, has tried to do it. I, I, I'm not giving I, him yeah. enough credit. And, and, I, think, and I think, I think justice, yeah. the, the Snyder cut justice league is actually, I, yeah. we talked about it. It approaches, I think what I'm talking about actually pretty well. I think so too. And I think watching this movie, which uh, especially at the beginning, very clearly emulates the Snyder style to a point where, in my opinion, it made me miss like, okay, Snyder had a lot more, say what you will about the man, say what you will about him as an artist, say what you will about his DC movies. But I feel like he had more of an established style that felt central to him. And like, every time I watch a Snyder movie, I'm like, okay, this is clearly for better, for worse. This is a Zack Snyder movie. This movie just feels like a boardroom of executives are all kind of like infighting and trying to decide and compromise like what this movie should be. So it kind of feels like this hodgepodge of different styles and tones and stuff. And yet, Weirdly, it's just kind of boring. Like, it's not even like an interesting sort of mess. Like, it just kind of feels very corporate in a way that I feel has been indicative of the rock style for a while. I feel like he's trying now to make his movies as broadly appealing as possible, kind of sanding the edges. He is off. one of the producers. Yes. And the weird thing is that, like, he's trying to be reverent to, like, the the machismo and the, the like, heightened, uh, violence of the the comics with this character but he's also trying to make something that 
feels uh you know that, that fits the style of what superhero movies are now and like what i think he thinks a broad audience would want from him at this point uh his career and what people want from the genre at this point and i don't know it just feels like it's just a lot of conflicting interests that don't really could gel together to make an entertaining or even logical film <laughs> yeah i was thinking about it too i was like this just feels like content you know and that's the thing about content. It it can be mildly entertaining. I think that some people are going to watch this and you know, they're they're going to like parts of it, you know. Some of some of it's cool. Like I think some of the uh the action, some of the the battle scenes before yeah, they kind of I mean, wear out their welcome or Sure. I think it actually is there there was real tension when a character like Hawkman who I don't care about is fighting Black Adam who I don't care about cuz I'm like well, sure. either of them could die. I'm not actually worried. like I actually don't think because we don't have all these movies and a big universe propping this up we're meeting these characters for the first time and they could do whatever they want with them. And there is something kind of interesting about that because when you watch like a Marvel movie, when you're watching Spider-Man fight, you know, like uh, Dr. Octopus, I, I know Spider-Man's going to be okay. He's going to yeah. be fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, um, I, I don't really feel like mm-hmm. the stakes are that high all the time, but in this movie, I was like, well, I guess there are some stakes. Yeah. I mean, I do think from an action standpoint, like the opening for Black Adam, like the true black, op- or the true opening for Black Adam. It's a bit uh, of a black opening. Yeah, you're. <laughs> yeah, it's a dark. Op- well, I try to say it's a it's a impressively pretty dark scene as far as like when he's like brought back, you know, from his curse or whatever. And he just annihilates like what, like yeah. 50 people. Like, kind of grisly. I mean, right. it's, it's kind of like uh, with uh, Shazam. We can go back to that. I mean, Mark Strong's character has like that whole boardroom scene where he just. Right mercilessly the best, wipes people yeah, out. Which is probably the best scene in that movie, for me at least. I mean, I thought that was probably one of the high points. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's like, enjoyable, I guess. I mean, interesting in a way, as far as, like, you know, their willingness to be this kind of dark. And obviously, it's really sanded down as far as, like, the R rating was concerned. Like, I think they had to go oh, through, yeah. like, four cuts to make this PG-13. You can kind of tell, like, it's just, like, paper, like, taping this movie together to be a pg-13 film it's a lot Uh, of like ps3 maybe ps4 cutscenes. you know in terms of like the violence and the the quality of the Mm -hmm. special effects and all that yeah um Um, but i mean and then you know there's like a demon ish fight towards the end without giving too much away that i don't know i was kind of interested in but emotionally i didn't really feel connected to anything like at most i felt like a superficial sort of like oh it's kind of cool or like yeah it's kind of fun but i mean i just felt like like you said it just feels like this is all product at this point for the rock i feel like he doesn't really make movies i think he just kind of makes product like i think he makes stuff that appeals to his brand i think he's he a knows business man yes he's a businessman and i felt that was very apparent when a couple weeks ago or maybe a month or so ago uh, there was a tweet or an Instagram post from him where it was just a picture of him in a boardroom, like the back of his head and all these people, all these executives are watching this movie. And they said, watching the final cut of black Adam. And it's like, they're not even watching in a theater. Like they're not even watching in like a surround sound studio or whatever. They're just watching it in a boardroom, like on a projector and like the, you know, like in this office. And it's just like, okay, like, if that's how you view this film that's supposed to be screening in IMAX and all this stuff, like if you don't value the theatrical presentation in the sense of you're watching the final cut of this film, then you know, what, what, how do you convince us that it's worth going to the movies during a pandemic to see it? <laughs> uh, literally too. I, I don't think you've gotten to that episode yet in Mad Men uh, where there's a very, very similar moment that you're about to, to witness, but uh, I won't, I won't say any more. Uh, you need to catch up with Ashen on a, we have we have more Mad Men men to record, but anyway, yeah, I, I I kind of like as I was watching this, I was thinking about like where where are we at right now with superhero movies in terms of the people who make them and the people who watch them. I think 2022, 2020, 2021, and twenty twenty, big L's uh, for superhero movies broadly. I think that we've gotten some good ones. But we most I don't think we've gotten you know we you and I were debating this with uh, our friend Mike Overholz just yesterday. You know, like what was the last great superhero movie? Like great, and I think you, your opinion, it was Spider Man into the Spider Verse. But that's end of 2018. That's like it, you know, four years ago now. Uh, for me, I don't think there's been a great one. Like I think there have been good, okay, you know, barely good movies. I think like the Batman, for instance, is like barely good uh, for me at least. I thought it was uh, but, good, but but for, very for me, 
for me, the, the last great one, like the last one that I was just like, had me really feeling it was Avengers Endgame. And we've got a lot of superhero movies since then, you know? Uh, and I think that for me, like the good superhero stuff has been on the small screen. I, I've been enjoying more so like the boys and Invincible, the Amazon stuff, you know? And uh, otherwise, I, I think that we're in this weird place with these movies where I think producers are really driving like what's getting made with these. And like, I have nothing against producers, uh, generally speaking, but I think that like directors are not bringing the passion to it anymore. And the producers are just kind of like churning this stuff out through the creative that they have. And this is kind of the result, I think. And yeah, it's, it's that mean, time. It's, mm-hmm. it's, we're past the peak, I think. I mean, for as much as people bemoan the comparison that, you know, superhero movies are a new Westerns, it does feel kind of indicative of like how, you know, after a point, like towards like the like 60s, I think, like the late 60s, like they started transitioned into like Western TV shows and that kind of overpopulated that medium and to the point where like the the whole genre started to kind of fizzle out of uh, relevance because there's just like an oversaturation of it. it kind of became because there's like not only in films, but like on TV, there's just so many Westerns. Uh, and I feel like we're kind of getting to that point with superhero movies now where it's just like not sure. only are we getting a like, ton of superhero movies, you know basically every other month if not every month but now we're just getting all these shows all these marvel shows all these dc shows all these streaming shows uh related to or directly adapting comic book characters and it's just like i mean for me at least i'm i'm just kind of tired of it i mean there are good ones that come out sure and i haven't really kept up with tv stuff but i'm sure a lot of that's good to find and you know i'm i'm not gonna you know say that that's not you know worth seeking out but i'm just kind of getting tired of it personally and i feel like there's just sort of a tiredness to this movie that you know just felt very apparent to me like not only as a viewer but just like i don't know for as much as pat as, as much passion as uh the rock has put into this not only as a as an actor but as a producer i just feel like it doesn't really show that passion in a weird way like you have a director who has really established himself stylistically and also like kind of making goofy fun over the top action movies that you know it on paper it could make sense that these two could do something fun with this property but i don't know it just didn't really capture that spark unfortunately well hey despite what we're saying you know in terms of like you and i not being as enthused about superhero movies as maybe we once were and and i want to be clear real quick too by the way that you know people hear the whole thing of like the way of the western and it's like it's not saying that superhero movies will stop being made it's just that westerns used to be the ubiquitous and premier right. sort yeah, of yeah. like movie you know it was westerns and you know big musicals and in the 60s those kind of slowly went away and you know as we went into a period of more independent auteur driven cinema that eventually turned into the blockbuster era so this stuff just sort of naturally changes and i think that's all that people have been getting at it's just like yeah superhero movies are going to you know, they'll they'll always have superhero movies, but they're not going to be the dominant pop cultural force forever. I mean, that's highly unlikely. I mean, how, how do you that's not sustainable. I mean, people's tastes change generations, switch hands and people get tired of things. And, you know, there's diminishing returns and all that. It's just kind of like the natural state of things. But I think people take that. It's like very offensive. Like, what are you saying? Like, yeah, you're right. You're right. They're not. They are different from Westerns. Westerns lasted longer. Uh, let's say that. Uh, in terms of how uh, huge they were, yeah, um, and they were anyway. also well. Never mind. I'm not going to say that. Oh, no, okay. Yeah, no, no, no. Gonna... I'm, you know, I'm, I don't want to get any angry e- emails. I mean, this movie's asking for it. It evokes Clint Eastwood so much. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously, yeah. Um, um, yeah, no. I did to... see some people uh, knocking the film as far as like my favorite scene was when they showed the good and the bad and the ugly. Because for a brief moment, I was watching a good film. <laughs> <laughs> I saw someone tweet that, that because even yeah. though even though we're you know. We're currently not that into the movie. I mean, I don't, I'm not like a, I don't have a strong disdain for this movie or anything. I just think that it's a bit of a nothing hollow vessel, which, you know, it's fine. It can be that. Uh, it's, uh, I think it, it's, it's certainly an attempt. You know, I'm not going to like bemoan like the director here, Jami Colasera, who we mentioned earlier, did uh, another film uh, that we've, we've talked about uh, pretty, pretty recently um i mean I, we did talk about do we ever talk about the commuter actually with him i believe uh, so i mean i enjoyed the commuter i like non-stop i was gonna I like say his, yeah i mean yeah. i i enjoy some of his action movies i think they have a good sort of uh tongue-in-cheek awareness where like they play it straight enough to where it's not like a lark but they they're willing to be over the top and goofy enough to where you don't have to take it too seriously and i felt like yeah, when yeah. he was making those lean neeson movies he kind of cracked the code and now he's <laughs> in then, this yeah, uh he did with, Jungle Cruise with 
right. with Dwayne Johnson, which is about an immortal person who, you know, goes on this adventure that's highly IP driven to Black right. Adam, which Dwayne Johnson plays this immortal person who goes on this adventure that's highly IP driven. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but no, uh, all that to say, despite our, d- despite our talking down our dressing down to this movie, as it were, it's doing okay. Box office wise internationally, it's made 142 million. You know, it's about a $200 million budget. So it's on track to like maybe make a little bit of money, maybe break even kind of depends on the lasting power of this. We do have Wakanda forever coming up, which I think is going to kind of switch over the, the hype, uh, the theater real estate as it were, but this, this movie might do fine. Um, that's pretty good for an opening weekend, but, um, there are people who really like this movie. I, I, I'm kind of baffled because we don't have to get into the whole thing where people were just like, uh, the people who don't like this movie drink fancy sure. music wine or whatever. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're referring to a Twitter thing, but I did see, um, I, I was reading before we started recording, Matt Zollerseis gave it like three and a half stars. Well, I, you know what? I, and I saw some people who, and we're about to play the Rotten Tomatoes game, so it's a good uh, transition to that. But the first wave of like reviews reminded me a lot of Lion King 2019. Because oh boy. I'll, I'll okay. never forget. I'll never forget. <laughs> I was in that first wave and yeah. I'd just be like, what are you guys talking about? Like this movie is garbage. And I remember like most of the movies were most of the reviews were just like, oh my gosh, visual delight, splendor for days. And I'm like, yeah, it looks good, but you guys are just kind of fluffing this movie a bit. Like, <laughs> this is not a good movie. Uh with Black Adam, I saw a lot of early praise for this one, but a bit jarringly so. And I'm not gonna get on people's case i'm not their babysitter i'm not sure you know i'm not i'm not the mom from this movie just kind (laughs) of yeah i mean is it at a point now where i think the studios sort of can assume which writers and which publications are probably going to be more favorable on a film uh you know not to say that they're like in the pocket for them or anything i'm not gonna say they're anything not being sort paid, of. but they, they know they know the people whose opinions they can count on right you know? I, I think the people that they can uh comfortably assume are probably going to be a little bit more generous in their praise of a film like this even though you know especially a film like this that has problems and that you know is probably going to be a little bit more checkered in its uh enthusiasm i think they can kind of rely on certain people to kind of boost up the initial word of mouth uh, and I think that's the card they played here, I'm assuming. Well, from a business perspective, I do think it is the right move. That's how you make money in this business. So, you know, the incentive is clearly there. But, well, let's get into it. Let's talk about the, uh, let's see the Rotten Tomatoes game. So, I think you said you got spoiled on this, right? So, you might know the exact. Well, I know for sure that, uh, like, The Raw keeps promoting the audience score. So, I'll start with that one. Okay. Um, Because I think the critic score has probably fluctuated, but I know that he was. By the way, is 5,000 plus verified ratings. That's pretty good for Rotten Tomato standards. Sure. I know that there's a huge divergence between the critic score and the audience score. The audience score, the last I had heard from the star of this film, is 90%. And do you think it still is 90%? I'm going to go. I think it might even be higher. I might even be uh 92%. That was 90%. You should have just stayed oh, okay. where you were, stay in your Jeez. seat. <laughs> Jeez Louise. I don't know, I just I know that's kind of the thing that the rock has been champion is that like this is a movie sure. he made for the people. Of course. Even though I think he makes movies for himself. But I uh, fans which <laughs> he he's says the he biggest fan. <laughs> right. The the biggest fan of them all, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. More power to him, I guess. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know. I have nothing against. I don't have anything against him either. Here. Right. Yeah. yeah. I really don't. I mean, I just wish he made more entertaining movies. I mean, I, I just wish he made movies that were fun again. What was the but, last one you liked? Uh, with him? Yeah, yeah. Probably Fade the Furious. That was a while ago. Yeah, that was twenty. I mean, I, I liked Hobbs and Shaw. I know you no, and I, I will never see Hobbs and Shaw. That movie sucks. I'm that's sorry. The, I know you like our, that movie. That's our Pizza Hut Domino's forerunner, isn't it? I would watch Black Adam five times before I would watch Hobbs <laughs> and Shaw. That movie, that is way All more... Because right. this is this movie is also like... I don't like using this term, but this movie is kind of a vanity project for The Rock. And that movie is especially a vanity project for The Rock. <laughs> our priorities are clear in terms of movies. All right. So then what about the critic score? So you, you, uh, already, you already guessed that you think you know, the high diver- divergence. Right. Know? 
cited your evidence, but we have 226 reviews counted. Uh, I guess you could say like, what, you said you did see this at one point, but you think mm-hmm. it's it's moved? I think so. I think it's um, I think it's around forty percent. I'm gonna say like forty two percent. Ooh, it is around forty percent, but it's just under. So it's thirty nine percent. It's going down. Okay. Yeah, I think to what we were saying, that initial wave kind of hyped this movie up a bit, but then you know critics got their hands on it, and uh, you know certainly, certainly things changed there. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I mean, there are people who are going to bat for it. Amy Nicholson. Amy, really? She's okay. saying, you know what? I, I, this Black Adam, I like. I like what he's up to. I'm, <laughs> I'm into it. Um, let's look at a uh, cinema score, though. Well, Ashen, what do you think the cinema score is? Uh, did you get spoiled on this as well? This way, I've not been spoiled on. Oh, fantastic! All right, let's get your best guess. Um, B minus. No. Bit higher. I'm surprised you would guess that low, considering the audience score is where it is. It's B plus. Well, I don't know. Now, I mean, B plus isn't great for a cinema score for a superhero cinema score. I think for like good is like A minus. Really good is A, and great is A plus. B plus is like okay, yeah, sure, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I'm a little dubious. I'll say of the uh, Rotten Tomatoes audience score. That's not clear. to say. That you know, it's entirely false. I'm sure some people are loving this movie. Uh, <laughs> they weren't in my audience, so I'll say that much. Um, and they weren't in your, in your audience, it sounded like, because you saw this movie by yourself. <laughs> that's right. That's right. There was nobody in my theater. Not a single person. Not a single fantastic. soul. Other than you. Uh, I, I, I don't think, think I've had that kind of experience in a theater since like way before COVID. Yeah. And it's just fascinating. It was this movie, you know, like a blockbuster. Well, part of it is because this movie has so many showtimes because they oh, were expecting it. I yeah. think that's what it is. I, I think that like, you know, for matinees and stuff, they're like, oh my gosh, people are going to be coming every minute of the hour. <laughs> so like, I'm sure that if like they had limited showtimes, it wouldn't have been that. It wouldn't have been empty, but yeah, yeah they kind of shot themselves in the foot there a bit, I guess. I think so. Um, yeah. um, all right. We'll finish out with Letterboxd and then call it a week. So on letterboxd.com, we have 57,000 watches, which is not that high for kind of a superhero PG-13 Dwayne Johnson movie. I'm kind of surprised it's that low, uh, which is not that like relatively low, but you get it. Right. Uh, but yeah, okay. What do you think, Will? Zero to five. Um, 2.5? It's a bit higher. The average Letterboxd rating right now is 2.9. So not your week. You weren't, mm. you weren't that close with any of these. Even the was, one that you were spoiled on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. This one's it's uh, early in the day. Yeah, it is early in the day. And uh, I don't know. I thought it would be a little bit more inconsistent than I guess it was. I hear you. Um, I'm looking and, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm seeing like our, our friend Charlie originally gave it three stars. But then Ryan Oliver, also in front of the show, gave it one and a half. Um, you know, one, one of my friends, Diego, gave it two stars and. Uh, I'm not seeing like Matt Donato gave it three. I'm not seeing the only thing I'm seeing higher than three is I see two, three and a half. And one of them is from David White. So, uh, yeah, I have a few people gave it three and a half on my, uh, layer box. Oh, you, wait, you said I, I had an older, I, I, there are a few more coming in. I have one more three and a half and I see a four star here. Oh, so, you know, there you go. Okay. Yeah. There, there's a couple say- people who are just like, yeah, you know what? Black Adam? When when do we get Black Eve? Mm. Yeah, I was. Uh, I I didn't realize that uh, David Weigel was. Did you say that he liked the movie already? Yeah, three and a half stars. Yeah. That's surprising to me. I know Uh-oh. he's like he's not a movie critic, but that's pretty surprising. All the same, you should follow his letterbox. It's fun. He I has, do. He has some wild takes. Oh, I was gonna yeah. say, I was like, <laughs> if you didn't see it, um, yeah, no, okay. I, I saw that on my timeline. I was just that's why I was taken aback. I feel like I look All like right. David Weigel right now. I know the listeners don't know what I look like right now, but yeah, 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 yeah. You <laughs> actually, wow, I've never made yeah. that connection, but yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, cool. Uh, the listeners, if you want a picture, I have a mustache right now because of my Halloween costume. Yeah, and John didn't comment on it, but I'm wearing my Superman shirt, and it was supposed uh, to be a play on the um, the reshoots when uh, you know he had the mustache. But John didn't notice or comment on it, so there we go. <laughs> You're leaning in. I barely see your, your the, the the shirt, you know? Yeah. But uh, fair enough, fair enough. All right, that'll do it for our show. 
Uh, do we do we want to do a quick spoiler thing though for uh, a certain cameo or two that happens in the movie? People can sure if you have time. Have a couple minutes, couple okay. minutes, two minutes. Um, if you haven't seen Black Adam, you don't want to be spoiled on what we're about to talk about. Uh, you got to get out of here. Press pause and come back later. Um, okay, so Will, uh, first of all, the Man of Steel thing. Yeah, okay, sure, whatever, it's fine. He shows up in the movie. Everyone expected ends. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. look. I love Superman. I'm wearing a Superman shirt, it was fine. I, all right, yeah. Henry Cavill, you're still playing the part. Okay, yeah. Sure. Okay, whatever you want. Kind of sad, but also I, I hope he it. gets. I, I I hope he gets a really good Superman movie out of this. So yeah. they played we'll the see. they played the original theme, and I was like, excuse me. Right. I mean, the Hans Zimmer theme is great. I mean, say yeah, we will, but Man of Steel, that's that? a great We're, theme. Why song. do we need to go with John Williams with this? Like, you had you have it right. Like, I have I have uh, the the Hans Zimmer's like a. Uh, I think like half the soundtrack on my big movie playlist, my movie yeah. soundtrack playlist. So I don't know what we're doing here. All right. But um, uh, big also, cameo. Though, the <laughs> different cameo. Uh, <laughs> was not different, expecting. Different Henry. Different Henry. That's true. That's true. Henry Winkler shows up as like the original Adam Smasher. I'll, I'll admit, I don't know much about the Adam Smasher character, but I got Hank Pym vibes, I guess. It's just probably way off. But no, I think that's exactly what they were thinking. Okay. <laughs> they were like, who could be our Michael Douglas? Henry Winkler. Which is so funny because you would think it'd be reversed that like Michael Douglas would be the DC kind of like mentor and Henry Winkler yeah. would be more like suited for the Marvel. Right. <laughs> I love the idea of Henry Winkler in like a comedic superhero kind of movie, you know? Uh, especially if he's yep. doing his Barry persona. But anyway, Gene, that's all I wanted to get into. Yeah, yeah I, I just, I, that was the only cameo because I had knowing that there was like an end credit cameo. I was like, gee, I wonder who it is. Like even before I was told, well, like, I was kind of like, well, uh, okay. Heard it was Spider-Man. Or Superman. It, it is, why isn't Superman in the movie before this? Like, I thought it was weird that the justice society is doing their thing. It's like Superman's in this world. Why doesn't he show up? And then he had his cameo in Shazam. Um, I also was kind of curious of like, Oh, I wonder why Shazam, you know, they don't even reference, but okay, sure. They well, don't need to. I mean, the rock spends the whole movie, uh, quoting, as I said on Letterboxd, the theme song for Scrubs by saying, I'm no Superman. So I just kind of figured that yeah, Superman yeah. would come up at some point. Hmm. I mean, he does. He's in the posters and the <laughs> Wonder Woman gets referenced in the post in the comics. Sure. The kid has. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah. That's that. That's it. We'll see you all in the next one. From the Internet, California, I'm John Negroni. And from the Internet, Pennsylvania, I'm Washington. See you next time.